each day that I live, he's more than I need. I can never describe his goodness to me. You ask how I make it day after day. There's only one thing I can say. It's been a long journey, but I have been blessed. Walking with Jesus, I have no regrets. say you're blessed this morning amen we're glad to see you everybody grab your hymn books now stand up stand up for jesus brother ken's gonna come lead us
Let's all stand together and sing. Brother Ken, you take off this morning. Amen. Number 346 in your red book this morning. I know my name is there. Stand and sing with us this morning. Just have yourself a time. Hope you know your name is there. Amen. My name is in the book of life. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. I rise above all doubt and strife and bring my title clear. I know, I know, my name is there. Savior cross and place it on his roll. Sing it now. I know. about that in a few moments. I also want you to pray for a fellow pastor. A lot of you may remember this gentleman, Brother Arnold Terry. Uh, his daughter, I've mentioned him, her several times, Jennifer Hollyfield, uh, works with me at the college. Brother Terry, uh, Pastor Arnold Terry had a stroke this past week, so pray for Brother Arnold if you would. Uh, he is at home but asking for our continued prayers. And of course, let's remember services today. We need his presence. Amen. We're here. We need him to be here this morning. We had a lot of requests downstairs. But let's ask the Lord to meet with us. Uh, uh, Brother Tim, you open us up in th prayer. Let's go to the throne room together this morning. Brother Tim. Our gracious Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you again for the opportunity we have to be in your house this morning, Lord. We thank you for each person that's made the effort to be here, God. We thank you for the sunshine that's shining today, Lord, after all the rain. We know that you know what we need, God. We pray that each person here will just lean on you, God, for each prayer request that's been mentioned this morning. You know the needs. And pray, God, that you will meet those needs. I pray, God, especially this morning for 
Brother Ken and his family, Lord, the passing of Sister Nichols, Lord, we know that she's there with you this morning. She's, she's worshiping right in your presence, God, and we can only imagine how wonderful that is. We thank you for that assurance of salvation and for the promise of eternal life with you. We thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for them and pray, God, that you would just show them an extra measure of grace through the next couple of days, Lord, and just bless them and love them and just help them, Lord, to get through this time. Even though we know where she is, Lord, it's still some grieving to be done. And we thank you, God, for your love and your mercy and for what you will do here. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this morning in this service. Just lift up the preacher and help him to speak the words, God, that our hearts need to hear. And, Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray, God, that you will not let them leave the building today without coming to your saving knowledge. We thank you, God, for all that you do. And, God, we just pray that you will touch the hearts of everyone here in the building today. God, everyone has trials and troubles, and you know each one. And some things that may be small to me can be huge to someone else, Lord. But I pray, God, you will just meet the needs that are here this morning, Lord, and just help the preacher to be the voice that you need him to be, God, just to touch the hearts. And God, just answer the prayers that have been issued to you. We thank you, God, for your love and all you do in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. This is an old, old song, but man, I sure love the words to it. In fact, when I was a child growing up, uh, there was a group that used to sing this song at our church all the time. That's been 30-some years ago, and I want to say that God's even sweeter today than he was then. This says, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. You listen now as Sister Bolio sings.
What a great day when we'll never say goodbye again. You listen now. One more song. What a meeting. I hope this blesses your heart.
Amen. Thank you so very much for your attention and presence this morning. Uh, I got lots and lots of announcements, and then we're going to recognize our graduates. Always love to see our front end displayed like this, a highlight of the year. First Sunday of June is always graduation Sunday, and we're always delighted to recognize the accomplishments of our young folks and some of our not-so-young folks who are still uh, continuing their education. So let me quickly go through services. First of all, I want to remind you this Wednesday night of our, uh, our regular Bible study time, started a new series this past Wednesday that I'm going to use during the summer months all about Christian discouragement. If you've been in church for any length of time, you face times of spiritual discouragement. And so we're going to be looking all summer at how you battle that, how you work through it, and how you keep on the firing line. So we encourage you to be with us this coming Sunday night. And then, of course, uh, next Sunday morning, we will be having, or this coming Wednesday night, excuse me, next Sunday morning, we'll be having a baptism during the morning service. If you have never followed the Lord, if you've been born again, but you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, see me right after the morning services, and we'd love to baptize you next Sunday morning as well. This coming Saturday, we'll be hosting our Cornerstone Bible College graduation here at 6 o'clock, so keep that in mind. And, of course, the golf tournament will be happening in just a few short days, Saturday, June the 23rd. All of the proceeds will assist the teen conference and all of those expenses. And as we said, we're still looking for whole sponsors and teams. That information is out in our postal area. On June the 25th through the 29th will be, of course, teen conference that Sunday before we leave, which is the 24th. We'll be hosting or having, rather, a special offering to help with the dinner meal. The other meals are taken care of. Uh, they have to pay money for lunch. Breakfast is provided, and then you can help us out in that capacity. Thank you for those who've already turned in your Operation Christmas Child Quarters. Uh, uh, we've got some in the offering plate this morning. I've heard different reports from different people that you could get dollars $13.50, $13.75, $14. Uh, here's what I want you to do. Fill her up. Amen. Ever how much you can get in here in quarters, uh, fill her up because uh, all of it goes to help offset the shipping costs of our Operation Christmas Child. In July, we will be doing some Christmas in July collection of some special items. Uh, and then, of course, every year at the holiday season, folks uh, do their special boxes uh, from their own families. Our goal this year is that Stanley Town's Amazing Grace is able to send out 200 shoe boxes across the country, uh, and that'll be a couple thousand dollars in terms of shipping so all of these quarters that you're filling up and putting in the offering plate each week help offset those costs and we sure do appreciate that and then of course if you haven't signed up ladies for the women's mountain retreat please make sure you do that uh, again information is right out here looking forward to a great time in there august the 23rd through the 25th sister kyla i'll share this with you this is a real blessing and an inspiration of course you know that we uh put every year a, a, a fantastic Christmas production on. It's a real uh, Christmas card to our community. Sister Kyla has, uh, Kyla Rowland has written a new song for our Christmas production. Uh, she wrote it specifically for that. Uh, she's going to actually debut it at the ladies' conference. So uh, we want you to, ladies to be a part of that, and we're sure looking forward to that. We'll be hard to sit, get these words formed and out of my mouth. We'll start rehearsing in just a few short weeks for Christmas. Hard to believe, hard to believe, but it happens very quickly. All right, it is now my privilege and my opportunity, and I'm so honored to be able to do this, to recognize our graduates who uh, are, are 
uh, completing either their high school or their college uh, coursework. Uh, again, the first Sunday of every uh, uh, year or in June is always college and high school graduation. Uh, they've already graduated, but this is our opportunity to uh, congratulate them. So we will start with our high school graduates. I'll call them up one at a time, and I'm going to ask them to come and stand in front of their respective table, uh, get a snapshot with me. Uh, I'll give you a gift from the church and myself, and then I want you to stay there uh, until we've recognized everybody. So let's start with high school. Bethany Craig, come on down. You're the first contestant. Where's your table, sweetheart? Oh, in the middle. All right. Congratulations, young lady. Give me a hug. Whether you want to or not. Give me a proud of you. So proud of you. You, you know, when, the, when, when kids are little, they just love to run up and hug, and then they turn teenagers. And that gene kicks in of, ooh. You know what I say? I love you. Give me a hug. All right. Can't wait to hug this one. Land on Craig. <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. Proud of you, young man. Stand right there, big guy. And then the other high school graduate, looking mighty tough in that picture, dude. Noah Martin. <laughs> Look at you, big guy. Well done, buddy. Dude, when did you get so big? Congratulations, son. All right. And then we've got our college graduates, and we've got several to recognize. And I'm going to start with this one because I'm mighty proud of this young lady, Pam Biggs. Came to Patrick Henry and got her credential in early childhood education. I'm proud. And then we have Jessica Lawson. Congratulations, young lady. Also got her credential in early childhood education. Now we've got some associate's degree graduates. Cameron Bolin. Lydia Hodges. Where is she? Where? Oh, you're over here. <laughs> Sorry. All right. And then graduating with her bachelor's degree, Brianna Neves. Come on, Brianna. And Brianna also just got engaged. There you go. And graduating with her master's degree, Ashley Hazley. Come on, Ashley. Congratulations, young lady. School counseling. Oh, you're going to be poor too. Bless your heart. Give all of these graduates a round of applause. We got all the pictures? All right, you can have a seat, folks. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. We commend you. 
and I appreciate so much the hard work you've done to get to this point. We're proud of you. Let me give you the arrangements uh, for Brother uh, uh, Ken's mother, uh, Sister Nichols. Uh, the visitation will be tomorrow night from 6 until 8 here at the church. Uh, so that means, uh, moms and dads and uh, graduates, we're going to need you to clear everything out today. We're going to have to get all this down this afternoon, so if you'll help us out with that, uh, and then we'll get the tables back. And then on uh, Tuesday at 1 o'clock will be the homegoing service also here at the church. So again, Monday night from uh, 6 until 8 here at the church, visitation, Tuesday 1 o'clock here at the church for the homegoing service. All right, let's get all the little ones. Make your way down this morning. If you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, Nursery, you come on down this morning. If you're visiting with us, they're going to come around and collect any loose change that you've got. We call this our Penny March, and this helps support our ladies and our children's programming here at our church. Everybody heading to Children's Church, Junior Church. Come on, make your way this morning. to our young folks and to our ladies. I, we appreciate it so much. It goes a long way to helping those respective ministries. Fellas, come on and make your way down. Brother Upchurch, you come get ready to sing for us. You mind the Lord with tithes and offerings. God will bless you for doing so. We thank you so much for being so faithful. And that, of course, allows us to do all the things that we do here at the church. I'm going to pray and ask God's blessings upon the offering. And Brother Bobby's going to sing for us. Lord, we're so honored to be in your house today. Lord, uh, I say it all the time. And Lord, I mean it with all sincerity. We don't take for granted the fact that we've got a good church whose doors are open. And Lord, we're able to come and worship the Lord on a Sunday morning. 
God's day, the Lord's day. We're grateful for that. Lord, I pray your blessings upon Brother Bobby as he sings this offering. May it be what you'd have it to be and allow us to continue to do the good work that you've called us to do. We'll thank you and we'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Bobby. I've never made a fortune It's probably too late now Oh, but I don't worry about that much She'd just spend it anyhow And as I go along life's journey, I'm reaping better than I've sowed. I'm drinking from my saucer, cause my cup has overflowed. Ain't got a lot of riches. Sometimes the going gets rough. But I still have a friend in Jesus. And that makes me rich enough. I thank God for all his blessings on me and the mercy he bestows. I'm drinking from my saucer cause my cup has overflowed. Oh, sure. Now, I've been through some storms, and there were times, I guess it seemed like my faith got a little thin. But you know, it seemed like on the very darkest day, the clouds just disappeared, and the sun started shining through once again. So, Lord, help me not to grumble and complain about the tough rows I have hoed. I'm drinking from my saucer cause my cup has overflowed. And if I should go on living And the way gets steep and rough I won't ask for other blessings Cause I'm already blessed enough 
And may I never be too busy to help another bear his load. I'll keep drinking from my saucer, Lord, cause my cup has overflowed. Yes, I'll keep drinking from my saucer, Lord, cause my cup has overflowed. My cup has overflow amen let's stand together one more time appreciate that song brother Bobby one of my favorites number 46 this morning number 46 I'd rather be an old time Christian we'll sing that first verse and course have a time of fellowship page number 46 this morning In this world I've tried most everything And I'm happy now to say There is nothing like religion In the good old-fashioned way I am walking in the old-time way And I want the world to know That I'd rather be an old-time Christian Than anything I know I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. There's nothing like an old-time Christian with a Christian love to show. I'm walking in the grand old highway and I'm telling everywhere I go that I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. Fellowship a while.
thank you so very much. Uh, and then as always, first Sunday of every month is Mission Sunday here at our church. So I'm going to ask our ushers to come on and make their way down. Once again, Mission Sunday here at our church, we collect a special offering. And then we give 14% of all the tithes and offerings uh, back out to missions. That allows us to put 70-plus missionaries on the field, and we're honored to do that. It is our great privilege. I continue to believe that one of the reasons God blesses our church is because of the love and support we have for missions. So, Lady uh, Renee, if you'll play for us, we're going to pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Bless the missions offering. May it be what you'd have it to be, Lord. And God, we thank you for the opportunity to support and supply the missionaries that you've led our way. Bless the work that they do in Christ's name. Amen. in your Bibles this morning please Luke chapter 15 Gospel of Luke chapter 15 the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 we're going to read a lengthy passage of scripture today in fact rather than reading it all up front as we usually do we'll read it a chunk at a time as we go through the message before I get into it, I want to give you a bit of background just on how the Lord led me to this today. This past week, I had opened up one of the many apps that I have on my phone for devotion. and This particular devotion on this particular app on Tuesday uh, was entitled, Never Forget. I have to tell you, when I first read the title of it, I thought it had something to do with Memorial Day. Understandably so since the day prior was all about uh, remembering the sacrifice of those who had paid the ultimate price. But this particular vote, devotion on Tuesday uh, really pierced my heart and spoke straight to me. For it wasn't about the sacrifice that veterans had paid, and we certainly paid homage to that last Sunday. But it was about remembering where it is that God brought us from. You see... If you're like me, you just as soon forget the sinful life that you once led. I've shared my testimony with you, and I don't talk about it often because, quite frankly, I don't like to talk about it in front of my children. But I was raised on drugs. Every time the doors were open at the church, I was drugged there. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival, special meetings, it didn't matter if the church doors were open, my family was there. And I didn't have a choice about whether to be in church. I was saved at an early age, seven days shy of being seven years old. June the 13th, 1976 was the day I got saved. And being raised in church and 
drugged to church, I had little options in my life until I left home. And when I left home, I went stark, raving, lunatic mad. Went just as crazed as I possibly could out of God's will. The interesting thing for me on Tuesday was on the ride home, 99% of the time, I will listen to the radio and listen to the public radio, the news. Uh, it's how I get caught up on what has happened that given day. I listen to NPR most days on the ride home to, from, from work to the house. But on this particular day, I happened to be driving another vehicle, and I had the option of turning on the Sirius, Sirius radio and heard a song on the same day uh, that I just read that devotion that our teens had done a drama to several years ago entitled, When God Ran. And it's all about uh, the prodigal and how he wanders so far away from God. And yet God is standing there, the Father is standing there patiently waiting for him to return home. If you know this story, if you know that song, you understand the meaning behind it is clear. If you are like me and you've ever wandered away from the Father's house, can I pause just a moment and say we can rejoice over the fact that we are still his child. We never stop being the child of God, for if saved, always saved. And we can also rejoice over the fact that no matter how badly we disappoint him, no matter how far we turn our back on him, he has not walked out on us. I have to tell you, uh, it wasn't very long listening to the song that some tears formed in my eyes because I was thinking of the devotion that I read this mo that morning on Tuesday. And I was reminded of the fact how far away I had wandered from God. And listen, where my life might have ended up had it not been for God. I don't like to go down that rabbit hole because it gets pretty scary for me. But I am so glad this morning that our God is not just the God of the second chance, but the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, as many chances as it takes, that's what our God's the God of. So I'm going to give you a message this morning that's entitled, uh, May I Never Forget. I'm going to tell you I'm preaching to myself this morning because I don't need to forget where it is God brought me from. I don't ever need to forget where it was uh, I was when God found me. And I have to tell you, I don't believe in coincidences for the child of God. Uh, I believe that there are happy things that God puts in our pathway to kind of jar our attention. And I don't believe it was a coincidence that I had a meeting on Friday at William & Mary. And so as I stood outside the School of Education at William & Mary, it just hit me like a ton of bricks all over again how good God is. that he takes us back over and over and over. Let's look at just a few verses. We're going to read a lot this morning. But let's look, read just a few verses uh, beginning in chapter 15, verse number 11. To begin with, we'll read just a few verses. Verse 11. And he said, and he is, of course, Christ, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. 
And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. He went, joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. We understand that there is likely a bit of a gap time-wise between the end of verse 16 and the beginning of verse 17. We don't know how long it was or how long it took. But I have to tell you that the next clause is some of my favorite words in all of Scripture. When he came to himself, it was almost as if the fog lifted. It was almost as if the time of his insanity, if you will, spiritually speaking, was over. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. You know what? Let's just keep reading. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose, came to his father, When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion. And look at those next two words, and ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be merry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, I thank you for what it means to me. Lord, I thank you for the devotion this past Tuesday that stirred my heart this direction and the song Tuesday afternoon that reminded me of this passage and, of course, standing in front of the School of Education at my old school on Friday thinking back to how good you'd been to not give up on me. Lord, it's my desire this morning that if anyone here is lost that today would be their day of salvation. For the Heavenly Father is standing on the precipice of heaven, waiting for the moment that that person turns his direction and he welcomes them into paradise. Lord, at the same time, if there's anyone here today that has wandered away from the blessings of the Father's house, Lord, I'm glad to report there's still a child of God. But Lord, I pray that you would send the Spirit of God to do the convicting work that only the Spirit can do. Lord, bless the outline. Lord, give us power to preach it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Luke 15 is often correctly referred to as God's lost and found department. There are three parables 
that are contained in Luke 15. And in each of these parables, uh, the uh, ante rises, if you will. In the first parable, it's the parable of the lost sheep, where the sheep is one out of a hundred that have wandered away from the fold. Then you have the parable of the lost coin, where the lady has a coin band of silver and she's lost one of them. And it shows the extent to which she will go to rescue and grab and find that lost coin. And then you go to the parable of the lost son, often referred to as the prodigal son. And there's only one out of two here. As far as we know, there are two boys. And one of them goes astray. Each of the cases, from the lost sheep to the lost silver to the lost son, the ante rises. One out of a hundred, one out of ten, one out of two. Yet the message is clear. The extent to which God will go to reclaim his own never ceases to amaze us. Let me give it to you another way. Though we may wander away from him, we could stop and say amen to the fact that he doesn't wander away from us. Though we turn our back on him, he never turns his back on us. Though we disappoint him and though we sin against him, he never disappoints us. Four things quickly that I want us to look at. Because I want us to spend most of our time not on the request that this boy makes. I don't want to spend too much time on the reality of his separation. I want to spend most of our time on the rejoicing that happens and most importantly the return that he makes. But let's hit the first one this morning. Number one, there was an astonishing request. An astonishing request. I recognize the fact that if you've been in church any length of time, you know this passage. You know this scripture. You know the meaning behind it. You know what it's about. But I want to challenge you this morning to, like I did Tuesday, go back in your mind's eye to where you were when God found you. Whether that be the moment of salvation or if you were like me and you were saved perhaps at an early age, but in times of your life, you didn't just wander away from God. You ran away from God. You chucked everything you knew behind and you stepped out proverbially on your own thinking you got this and you don't need God's help. Look, if you would, at the request that he made, it was shocking. Because in the verse verse that we read, in chapter 15 Verse number 12, it says, The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. What this young boy is asking for, and again, we believe there was only two boys in this, in this particular family. The scripture only mentions two. What this boy is asking for is his inheritance, that which would have automatically come to him when the father died. But by asking for his inheritance, what he is saying to the father is, I want what is mine when you are going to die. I want what is going to come to me now. Whatever I would get when you die, I want it to come to me now. Do you understand what I mean when I say this is a shocking request? By all accounts, daddy was a wealthy man. 
The fact that he's got the robes and the rings and the fatted calf indicates the fact uh, that he's a wealthy man. Uh, and this young boy uh, is going to get at least a third of the inheritance uh, because he's the younger, the older gets a double portion. Uh, but because uh, he's younger, he gets at least a third of his inheritance. Uh, but the boy doesn't want to wait. Uh, he's not going to have the patience that he needs. Uh, he's going to look at his father uh, and say, Dad, I'm going to live my life as if you were dead. I want what belongs to me. It wasn't just shocking. It was selfish. It was selfish. In my devotion on Tuesday, the author wrote the following about this passage. I had to write it down because I thought it was an astute, intuitive, and brilliant statement. The author said the following. This young boy wanted what the father could give him but he did not want the Father. Think about that for just a moment, church. The young boy wanted the blessings that the Father could give him, but he did not want the Father. May I pause just a moment and say to you that when I read that, it pierced my heart like a hot poker because I've walked where that young boy walked. I've stood in the same shoes that young boy stood in. I remember what it was like to want God to bless me and to take care of me and to be good to me, but at the same time, I didn't want the Father. I wanted the blessings of the Father. I wanted the wealth, if you would, of the Father. I wanted to breathe God's good air. I wanted to be taken care of by the Father. I wanted to know that He had my back, but I didn't want anything to do with Him. How that describes so many of us today. Many of us can either say we've been there, we are there, we know some folks who've been there. It was an astonishing request. That astonishing request transitions to what I'm calling an awful reality. An awful reality. You see, this young boy finds out pretty quickly that all that glitters deserves to be put aside. Notice what he says in verse number 13. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together, they took his journey into a far country, wasted his substance with riotous living. The next verse says, when he had spent all, my reference Bible says above verse number 14, the misery of the far country. The misery of the far country. It's not long before this young boy realizes that the, the, the sin that he's engaged in brings separation. It brings sorrow. It brings shame. It brings suffering. If you look at where this young boy ends up, uh, his last act that we can see uh, that the Bible tells us about is to literally yoke arms with someone who's a resident of that far country, uh, and his job is to slop the hogs. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that a young Jewish boy's got no business in the swine pit. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that the young Jews of the day, Jews period, were forbidden to eat pork. God, I don't know how they made it, but they were 
forbidden to eat pork. Uh, they were forbidden to interact with pigs. Uh, in fact, uh, with the cloven hoof, the swine, they could not interact at all. And so now this young man finds uh, that all that glitters ain't gold. And oftentimes the sin that we find ourselves in takes us further than we ever imagined. Now this young man is abandoned. He's lonely. He's hungry. He thinks to himself, no one cares. No one loves him. He's in a situation that he never imagined he'd be in. Let me pause a moment because the heart of the message this morning is going to be on his return and the rejoicing that ensues. But I would be remiss if I did not pause just a moment and say to every young person, every teenager, every mom and dad, please listen to me carefully. Satan will paint a very pretty picture for you, but he never tells you the end result. And I'm speaking from experience. And how many of you can say amen to the, you don't have to lift your hand. If you're out of embarrassment like me, you don't want to say amen. May I say to you that when we step out and away from God, he ne- Satan never tells us how bad it's going to really be. But I can promise you this. What it costs is more than what we want to pay. What it takes is more than what we want to give up. And where we end up is not where we ever imagined we'd be. Let me pause a moment and say simply this. We're going to rejoice. We're going to shout. We're going to say amen over the fact that this boy gets to come home. And the heart of the message is all about how God ran and how the father greeted him. But would you listen to me carefully and say amen to this? This boy would have been better off had he never left home to begin with. I get worried sometimes uh, when we talk about uh, this story uh, and we focus on the return and we focus on the rejoicing like we're going to do and celebrate that, uh, that we forget about the fact uh, that this boy uh, had to go through the literal pit of hell and the swine pit uh, and would forever mar the body uh, of his father, would ever bear the scars uh, that he wouldn't have to have if he never walked away to begin with. Yes, God takes us back. But amen me here, it's better to never walk away. Better to never walk away. Number one, we said there was a shocking, shocking request. An astonishing request. Number two this morning, there is an awful reality. But then I want to spend most of my time this morning on this point. There is an amazing return. There is an amazing return. I said a moment ago, but I'm going to say again, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture is found in verse 17. When he came to himself. When he came to himself. When the fog lifted. When the time of spiritual insanity was over. Let me me say something to you this morning that may surprise you. I don't remember a lot about the day I got saved. You know why? Because I was seven days shy of being seven years old. And as a seven-year-old, it did not quite register. I knew enough to know I wanted to go to heaven. I knew enough to know I didn't want to go to hell. 
I'd been in church for three years at that point. Uh, I knew what I was doing, but I had not wandered away from God a whole lot at six and a half years of age. <laughs> I mean, I had messed up. I had sinned, but I had not done a whole lot of open rebellion uh, at the tender age of six and a half. So I don't remember a lot about the day I got saved. But I remember everything about the day I came to myself. I remember everything about that day. I remember asking uh, this woman out who would later become my wife. I remember how excited my parents were about the fact I was asking her out. I remember how direct and blunt she was to me as I laid out all of my poor me and pitiful me and woe is me routine. And she looked at me and said, give me a break. Get over it. You know the life you're living is not right. You know what you're doing is wrong. And so if you're going to expect me to sit here in Shoney's restaurant in front of this hot fudge cake, God was all in the midst of that. Can I just say amen? If you're going to expect me to sit here in the middle of this hot fudge cake and say pity you, pity you, pity you, you got another thing coming. You know what to do and you're not doing it. I went back to my house, and my mama said, what would you think of her? I said, I pity the poor man that falls in love with that egotistical, self-centered, hateful, mean woman. Yeah, man. But I also remember staying up all night long because God wouldn't let me close my eyes. Because every time I closed my eyes, you know what I heard in the back of my mind? You know better. You know better. The pathway you're on is leading nowhere. You know better. I remember that night getting up out of my bed and slating, uh, falling down on my knees right there beside of the bed in my bedroom and saying, Lord, if you'll have me back, I'd love to be back into the family of God. Little did I know I was never kicked out to begin with. Little did I know that as soon as I made my decision, here comes God running my direction, grabbing me and pulling me way back into the family of God. His realization. The time of his insanity was over. And now his realization becomes his resolve. Look at what happens in verse 18. He says, I will arise, go to my father, saying to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Can I stop a moment and say, you can see that God's done got a hold of this boy. Because when we meet him at the beginning of verses 12 and 13, he's all like, give me, I want to give me. And now he's like, make me. Allow me. May I please? Can I stop a moment and say uh, that this fellow uh, makes up his mind uh, that he's tired of this life. Uh, he's tired of this misery. Uh, he realizes uh, that the servants uh, back at daddy's house have more than what I've got. Uh, what am I doing out in the pig pit of this world? So he begins to rehearse a speech. And I don't know, this is a little bit of Gregology. He doesn't know how daddy's going to react. I'm going to show you in just a moment how scripturally daddy has every right to kill him. We don't like to hear that. But may I pause just a moment and say to you, 
the pathway that I was on, I was heading the same direction. And so uh, when this boy uh, begins to rehearse his speech uh, and he says over and over, I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Uh, I believe in my mind's eye, I can see his hands wringing. Uh, I can see the sweat from his brow. Uh, step after step after step, he's rehearsing this speech over and over. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against thee. Uh, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Uh, make me as one of thy hired servants. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before they, I'm no more, over and over and over. This astonishing and amazing return becomes an awesome reunion. An awesome reunion. I'm going to invite you this morning to put your little bookmarker there in your scripture. And turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. This passage was also alluded to. In fact, it was spoken about directly in my devotion Tuesday morning. Deuteronomy chapter 21. Look at verse 18. Actually, Let's go to verse 20. Now, let's go back and read it all. Let's read the whole passage. Whole thing. Man, have a stubborn, rebellious son. And by the way, that son, man, woman, boy, girl, doesn't matter. Not obey the voice of his father, the voice of his mother. That which they have chastened him will not hearken. Father and his mother lay hold of him, bring him to the elders of the city. The gate thereof they shall, verse 20, they shall say to the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn, rebellious, will not obey Glutton, drunkard, and the men of, this is what I want you to get. The men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. The men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put away evil from among you. All Israel shall hear and fear. You see... When you get to this amazing reunion, this awesome reunion, I got to tell you, I never thought about this. And it was this devotion that, again, just astounded me. Because this boy is wringing his hands. He's making his way home hopeful and prayerful that his father will take him back. No idea how the father is going to react. No way of knowing if the father is going to take him. He is really uh, risking his life to come back, uh, but he knows that without the father, he's got no life to begin with. And daddy, standing on the precipice of the porch, I think just as he's done every single day, hoping to catch a glimpse. Hoping. Today's the day he sees his son. Hoping, praying that this is the day that over the horizon he catches a glimpse of his son making his way. And at that moment, when just over the hill he sees the top of the head, and I can imagine his heart begins to beat. Is that him? Is that him? 
gets a little bigger. And his face comes into recognition. And all of a sudden, here comes Daddy running off the front porch, running to grab a hold. And I don't think he's running just because he's happy to see his son. Here's what the author said. The authors of this devotion guide said, this boy could have been stoned publicly. It would have been perfectly within the law for as soon as this boy makes his way for the people of the city to pick up rocks and begin to hurl them at him. But daddy intervened. Daddy takes off running and wraps his arm around his son so you know who's going to get hit now? When the stones start getting hurled, they're not going to land on the boy. They're going to land on the father. Can I, can I, can I pause just a moment, folks? Listen, independent, fundamental fellow Baptists. It's time for us to drop the stones. It's time for us to lay down the stones. And stop hurling them at those uh, who've messed up on God, who've walked away from God, who've become the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter, the prodigal mama, the prodigal husband, whatever. Uh, because the truth is, uh, there but for God's grace go every one of us in the building. And most of us are that boy. And so, his return is more than what he ever imagined. His father runs. Throws his arms around him and begins to kiss his neck. And after the initial greeting is done, the boy steps back and he begins to recite his speech. The speech that he's rehearsed over and over. The thing that he said over and over, just hoping and praying that, that he'll become a servant. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And look in your Bible. He doesn't get to finish the rest of it. He never even gets to the point where he says, make me as one of thy hired servants. Uh, yes, the father lets him say this speech, uh, but the very moment he says, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, daddy says, you stop right there. Don't say another word. It's as if daddy says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how badly you've messed up. I don't care the disgrace you brought upon me. You have never stopped being my child. I don't know about you, but that sends goosebumps all over this sweaty preacher's back. <laughs> because the moment that I realized that here I was begging for God to take me back, that God looks at me and says, I never left you to begin with. Notice what he says to his son. Look at what he gets. Because this, this, this reception becomes a restoration. Look quickly if you would. I know you know it, but let me just show it to you. Verse 20. Verse 21. Son said to the father, I've sinned against heaven and thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. The father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. Why a robe? Why a robe? This boy had some sins that needed to be covered. Would you listen? If you were looking at this boy 
you could tell he'd probably been with the hogs. You wouldn't have to spend a lot of time around him to know uh, that this boy had spent a lot of time in the pig pit. By the way he looked, by the way he stank, by the way he smelled, by the way he conducted himself, uh, he just did not look like the father's son. So the first thing the father says, put a robe on him. You know why? We're going to cover up the sins. We're going to forgive the sins. And now when you look at him, you don't see the pig pit, you see daddy's robe. In fact, from afar, if you're standing there looking at the two of them, you might not even be able to tell them apart because they dress the same. Speaks of his purity, his restoration. It goes on to say, not only does he need a robe, but he says, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand. Why a ring? Why a ring? Ring's not what you and I think of where it might be a wedding ring or a decorative ring. But scholars in complete agreement, the kind of ring that's being spoken about is a signet ring, uh, an official ring, if you would. So that when letters are written and the wax is dripped onto it, it's the ring that is the seal. And in reality, whoever wears the ring speaks for the Father. And so by saying, give him the ring, it's as if Daddy is saying, all is forgiven. I'm giving you back everything that you lost. Doesn't stop there. Best robe, ring, shoes on his feet. Only the servants don't have shoes. Uh, he says shoes on his feet. Uh, and then he says, bring hither the fatted calf. Notice he doesn't say a fatted calf. He says the fatted calf. Little Gregology here. I think the day the boy walked out, daddy set aside a calf and said, the day he comes home, we're taking that one. The day he comes home, we're slaughtering that one. We're going to fatten that one up because I am 100% confident. I got faith in God that God's going to bring my boy back home. And the day he did, daddy said, bring hither the fatted calf. For this my son was dead and is now alive. I'm done with this. I'd be remiss if I didn't look at the next passage very quickly. Because you understand there was an older brother who never left home to begin with. There was an older brother who never walked out on God, never walked out on his daddy. And when he heard the celebration and we heard the ruckus, looks at his father and says, wait a minute, daddy. Why? You never did any of that for me. What's going on? I can't help but think in my mind if that brother was an independent fundamental, hey, everybody just like us Baptist. Amen. May I say to you this morning, if you've never been prodigal like I was, you can't appreciate this. But for those of us who've walked out on God, we can just wallow in the middle of God's goodness. Or maybe you've had a child or a mother or a sibling or a parent that you've seen God bring back home. Can I just simply say to you, His grace is sufficient. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. title of the message was the very same thing the title of my devotion Tuesday morning may I never forget 
I don't ever want to wallow in the sin that I was in. But I don't ever want to forget where I was when God found me. So I want everybody to bow your heads. To close your eyes with me. I know that we've got tables up here, but there is still plenty of room at this altar. In fact, there's some folks who've already started moving this way. So I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody's looking. First question is, how many of you are like me? Been there? Done that? And you want to praise God for welcoming you back into His family, into His presence. Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you just to step out right now. Come on, make your way down to this altar. Come with me, meet me here. A lot of folks are moving, and you just want to say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. That when I have failed you, you still welcome me back. Would you step out? Well, there's a lot of folks moving. I'm going to wait. There's a lot of folks moving. I'm right there with you. The second question is going to take some courage. So I don't want anybody looking. Nobody's looking. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, that wasn't me. That is me. Describes me right now. Pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to step out. But pray for me. Is there anyone like that? Thank you. I see that. I see that. I see that. Thank you. I see that. That's four. Thank you. Preacher, that's me. I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but I'm not where I should be. Anybody else? Thank you. I saw that hand. Anyone else? There's an altar full of people up here praying right now. For every one of you that raised your hand, I wish you'd step out right now. Preacher, if I step out, somebody's going to see me. Who cares if they see you? Don't wait. Step out right now. Come meet me here at this altar. I got one more question, and I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna sing. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, I'm not even saved. I've never even been into the family of God. I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I don't know what would happen. I don't, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. Pray for me. Is there anyone like that this morning? Pray for me, preacher. Brother Ken's going to sing us a verse. God has spoken to you. Don't put it off another second. Step out. Would you come this morning, Brother Ken? Home to Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever. surrender all I surrender all I surrender all I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all I want you to look this way for me. 
Parents, first of all, I'm going to give every church, I'm going to give you tonight off. We're going to be here tomorrow night. We're going to be here Tuesday. And, of course, going to be here Wednesday nights. I'm going to give you tonight off. Not going to do services this evening. Uh, I want you to be here tomorrow night from 6 until 8 for visitation. Parents, we need you to clear this stuff today uh, so that we can get everything ready for visitation tonight. Or rather, tomorrow night. I'm going to put all this out this afternoon. And then I want to just challenge you today. I hasten to think, I'm speaking for Greg, I hasten to think where I'd be were it not for the prayers of my mom and daddy. My mom and daddy don't ever talk about where I was because the one time my mama did, she fell apart. It's the only time I ever saw my mama cry about me, she fell apart. And I have to tell you, that got my gut as much as anything. So mamas and daddies, children, parents, family members, don't quit praying. Don't quit praying. Don't quit waiting for the day when you see that head come over the horizon. And they're making their way back to the Father's house. Don't. <clears throat> I don't ever do this. Close your eyes. We're not going to be here tonight. Close your eyes. <clears throat> Humor me on this. If that describes you, got a child, a sibling, a parent, a family member, a friend that you want to see come back over the horizon. Come on down to this altar. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Preacher already came. That's all right. Come on again. Let's pray together. There's a lot of folks wiping a lot of tears this morning, and I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. A lot of folks. I know it's crowded. Come as close as you can. Just come as close as you can. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for the reminder you take us back and I'm so thankful so thankful that when we walk out on you you never walk out on us Lord it is my heart's desire this morning that as so many folks are gathered around this altar calling out the names of their children their siblings their family members their parents Lord, just as you did for this boy in Luke 15, you will send the Spirit of God to remind them that they don't belong in the pig pits of this world. God, you didn't save us to wallow around in the hog slop. Lord, you saved us to be at Daddy's house. Lord, I pray that you would send the Spirit of God to convict them that precious reminder Lord that you'd use us as that instrument to let them know that there's still room at daddy's table Lord help us as God's people to throw down our rocks Lord just drop the stones to be just like the father is standing on the precipice of heaven ready to welcome them back Lord, we love you. 
Most of all, we thank you for loving us. And we thank you for bringing us back home. In Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you right where you are. Hung somebody's neck, tell them you love them, and that you're praying for their family member. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed. Be with us tomorrow night, 6 o'clock for visitation.